Hello, and welcome to Cast, coming to you live from the Edinburgh Fringe. Not really, but I have been there. This is, I'm in Scotland, and I went to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival for the first time ever. I've wanted to go for many, many a year. Also, as, as, as soon as I, as soon as I started recording, there it started raining, not just raining, storming. So if you hear uh, thunder briefly, just think of it as relaxing. Okay, so summer on the hills in Scotland is uh, is an interesting one. You make a lot of friends with bugs. You make a lot of friends with bugs. I have been. Basically, uh, I have made an entire new bed. I basically renovated my van. I felt like I was on Grand Designs. I'm really happy with what I've made. I've made like a whole like flip out, like bits and pieces go together type bed thing going on. Basically, beforehand, my bed was only like five foot five and I'm six foot two or six foot three. Um... And so I always had to sleep on a diagonal to be able to fit. And I thought, okay, this needs to change. Something needs, something's got to give, bro. Something's got to give. So it gave. And I have completely redesigned um, the bed. So it's not just a bed now. Now it's benches as well. There's so much room for activities. And I'm very happy about it. But I was finishing it off today. And I knew the storm was coming in. It's been so hot. Not as hot as England, but it's been very, very hot up here for Scotland. Noticeably so. Last time when there was a heat wave in July, um, I was down in England and wishing I was up in Scotland. This time, I was in Scotland. Oh. That was thunder. I wonder if that'll become the new phrase. You know, like, dude, that was fire. Dude, that was thunder, bro. Dude, you're so thunder. Dude, you're thunder AF. I'm going to start using it. I'm going to make it a thing. Um, I hope you're well. What was I saying? Edinburgh Fringe. Yeah, so I went to the Edinburgh Fringe for the first time. Um, I only spent a couple of days there because it was quite, it was, it was a lot of people and it was very hot and... Um, I'm in, I'm in quite an introverted place at the moment and I'm, I'm past the point of like forcing, forcing myself to be around a load of people, but for the social battery I did have, I very had a good time. I very had a good time. I had a very good time. Um, I actually, I met up with some, I, I ran into Basically, okay, well, I haven't spoken in a while. (laughs) The Edinburgh Fringe Festival is an arts festival in Edinburgh that continues, that lasts basically the entire month of August. And there is show upon show upon show upon show. You can't turn for five shows. It's where, if you are an artist in in any way, 
you go, you perform, you have a merry time, you showcase your art, you do what you are passionate about, you show to the world what you love to do, what you have to say, and why you want to say it. There are some incredible shows for incredible causes, incredibly funny shows, incredibly dramatic shows, a lot of improvised shows, a lot of improvised shows, actually. I saw one of them called Showstopper, and they essentially took out, oh my god, they were so talented, they basically create a new musical every night through taking suggestions from the audience. So for us, they did a musical about grave robbing with songs in the style of Les Miserables, uh, Company, and Six. And it was incredible. They just smash out songs on the spot, an entire musical on the spot. It's, it's talent. It's incredible talent. You can't move for talent at this festival. And yeah, I, I ran into some friends I haven't seen since before the pandemic and ended up seeing a few shows with them. Uh, they were there with TikTok because TikTok was a sponsor of the Edinburgh Fringe, is a sponsor of the Edinburgh Fringe, is currently still going on. But um, I met some wonderful people, uh, some wonderful TikTok people, some wonderful creators. Um, and it's nice because I don't usually, like, I, I'm i not really part of the TikTok community. Like, I just sort of, I do my thing in my van and, uh, yeah, just kind of hang out. Um, so it was nice to, like, meet people and like, say hello and just see how other creators are. Went and sang some karaoke with them. Had a fun time. It was very nice. It was really nice, actually. I highly, highly suggest the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. If you're, if you enjoy creative things in any way. Wow, it's really raining. Whoa. I'm currently not in the van. Um, I'm in a house because I'm halfway through the renovations. Well, I'm nearly done with them, but. Um, yeah, I feel really bad for my friend. I'm house-sitting at the moment while um, him and his fiance are in Berlin. And um, the day they got there, they got COVID, which is horrific. They've gone this entire time without getting it. And now... The, oh, it's such horrible luck, man. It's such horrible luck. They... They're doing okay now, they're better now, but, um, yeah, I feel terrible for them. But hey, at least it's not cacking it down with rain for them. Cacking it down. Speaking of, um, of renovating the van, I unlocked uh, an old memory today. I was using spray adhesive, glue in a can. Not to be mistaken for deodorant, unless you want some sticky pits. <laughs> Nobody wants them sticky pits. But um, 
yeah, normally I, I wear gloves so I don't get it on my fingers, but I didn't think I was going to get it on my fingers this time. Little did I know, I absolutely did get it on my fingers. I definitely should have known that that was going to happen, but we live and we learn. No, we don't. I don't know why I would say that. I clearly haven't learned. Anyway, the memory I unlocked is the feeling of having glue on your dried glue on your hands. It used to make my day in school if we had an art class and I would just paint, paint my fingers with glue and then spend the rest of the day like just picking it off in little bits. It was so satisfying. There's definitely, definitely some like ADHD-esque thing going on there because the same as when you remember when I said I used to play rugby but instead of playing rugby I used to just stand there and twirl one finger around the other one yeah I think it's the same kind of thing like a little fixation thing yeah I have no idea but I unlocked a very childhood happiness in me when I had tried glue on my hands more arts and crafts this is my this is my prescription for you listening. More arts and crafts in your life. It's very relaxing. It's very relaxing. I hereby prescribe you with 50 milligrams of glue on your hands to be picked off up to four times a day. You're welcome. Have fun. So, if you haven't been if you haven't been to Cavern Cars before, if you haven't listened to Calvin Cars before. Hello, welcome to the podcast. Usually at some point I get on with what the uh, the podcast is supposed to be, which is uh, using a random word generator to generate five random words. And I then talk about those five random words with whatever comes to mind. Some anecdotes, some stories, that's the same thing, um, some personal experiences, some fun facts, the history of certain things, often many a tangent will come out, and, uh, and we just have a good time, hopefully we both do, hopefully we do, I do, because, you know, it, it, it's nice to channel my mind, it's nice to learn, hopefully it's nice to you, to you for learn, for you to learn as well, and hopefully it helps you just take a little break from the world, you know, a little bit of escapism, a little bit of light-hearted, get the hell out of the world for a bit, it's nice, it's needed, and you know, whether you need help sleeping, or just to relax, or just want some warmth in the background, allow me to provide that for you, and so let us get on with the words. The first word of today is room. Oh my god, I know exactly what I'm going to talk about. Exactly what I'm going to talk about. So, I've just spoken about the Edinburgh Fringe, right? There are a lot of amazing shows at the Fringe, like I previously stated. There are also lots of very strange experimental shows at the fringe, the creators of which think are very good, and they are probably the only people that think they are very good, 
And that's not to say they're bad, because art is subjective. I'm just saying the likelihood of the amount of people that think they are good is probably very limited, which again is not to say that you shouldn't be doing it, because expressing yourself in whatever way you see fit, as long as you are not hurting yourself or anybody else, is an incredibly important and necessary thing to do. I have done many a thing in in my life that is horrific, and I wouldn't want anybody watching. By which I mean horrifically bad. I don't mean like going to the toilet. You know, that's I, that, that's pretty horrific sometimes. I don't want anyone to see that. But um, hey, we're all human, right? No, I mean horrifically bad as in like, just, yeah, stuff that I would never want anyone to hear because it's so terrible. But I feel like self-awareness is a, and self-criticism is a, a necessity to an extent. Maybe it's not. Maybe I've got it all wrong. But yeah, I feel like these certain people lack it and then, you know, follow through on that unconscious incompetence and just put their stuff out there anyway. The reason I talk about this is that one of these things, in fact, the pinnacle, the epitome of this happening is in a film called The Room. If you haven't seen The Room, boy, are you in for a treat. If you have seen The Room, you'll know exactly what I'm about to talk about. And there is probably a wide smile across your face because anyone who has seen The Room knows exactly what I'm talking about. The Room is a film written by, directed by, produced by, and lead starring Tommy Wiseau. This film was his baby and it is the best worst film you will ever see in your life. I cannot begin to describe with words, which is ironic because this is a podcast and I've chosen to talk about it, what an experience watching The Room is. There are scenes in this film that I cannot fathom were not thought up by like a bot, like I can't believe a human made them and thought, yes, this is absolutely right. This is gold. This is absolutely incredible. I mean, I take it back. It is gold. Just not, clearly not in the way that Tommy Wiseau thought. So I love this film with so much of my heart. I have been to midnight screenings of this film where Tommy Wiseau has appeared. I have been to quote-alongs of this film. I have shown friends this film and quoted the lore of this film to them. I don't, I still don't know if it's a comedy, a drama, a love story, a crime story, and I don't think anybody, including Tommy Wiseau, knows what it is either. And I love it for that. It's a pure, chaotic combustion of elements of the universe. Like how you know that, you know, sometimes 
there's been stories of people just randomly becoming invisible. That may be a strange example. No, I think there has been like, you know, random happenstances because of like molecular, like atoms or molecules just suddenly vibing in a different way and it creating like a freak, a freak natural phenomenon. That's what the room is. That is what the room is. It can't be recreated. It can't be improved upon because it exists in itself. You should, like you can absolutely technically improve the film, but it can't be improved upon, if that makes sense. It's created its own magic and it can't be topped. It can only be experienced. I was going to try and give you a, a synopsis of the film but I, I genuinely can't let me let me see what the internet says about says is the synopsis for for the room Johnny is a successful banker Johnny is played by Tommy Wiseau Johnny is a successful banker who lives happily in a, in a San Francisco townhouse with his fiance Lisa one day inexplicably she gets <laughs> This is so accurate. One day, inexplicably, she gets bored of him and decides to seduce Johnny's best friend, Mark. That's literally it. it. Inexplicably. Usually, if someone does something inexplicably in a film, there's usually an explicableness that comes along later. You find out why these people do these things. No. No, that doesn't happen. <laughs> The inexplicably is the absolute perfect word to be used here. Everything in this film is inexplicable. It just happens for no reason. It's like someone gave Tommy Wiseau a book on how to make a film and he flicked through it, looked at the pictures and went, okay, I'm ready. He also speaks like no one I've ever heard in my life. And that's the whole thing. He's a, oh, by the way, the end of the synopsis says, from there, nothing will be the same again, nor will your life after you have watched this film, I promise you. But yeah, he, Tommy Wiseau is an absolute enigma. There was a movie made, a sort of documentary biopic that was made, a, bi a mockumentary, no, a biopic. Let's say a biopic, yeah. Or a biopic. Uh, called The Disaster Artist, starring James Franco and his brother Dave Franco, which is actually really good. Which describes the like the all like the behind the scenes of how it goes, and it's it's kind of good that, that that's out there now because once you've watched The Room, you will end it going, "What the hell have I just watched? How was this made? I have so many questions." And then you can watch The Disaster Artist and have some of them answered because I don't think there are answers to a lot of them that is all I'm going to say on The Room I, I hope I have given you enough to entice you into watching it um, if you can I would highly recommend uh, watching it with someone who has already seen the film almost like a trip sitter you know, like if you're going to do magic mushrooms for the first time or psychedelics, people people suggest that you you do it with someone who remains sober that can who has done it before that can guide you through it. The equivalent 
should be in place for the room. But if not, you'll be fine. You'll be fine on your own. You'll just have more questions. That's all. I wish you luck on this film. And if you have already seen it, I felt like I pretty much got that bang on, right? Right? If you can get it bang on, if that's even a thing. Anyway, let's move on to the second word of the day, which is venomous. Venomous. I recently learned the difference between venomous and poisonous. I thought they were relatively interchangeable. No, no, no. No, they are not. If an animal is venomous, it means it can inject venom. The poison is inside it and it has to inject it through a bite or a sting. If an animal is poisonous, then the poison exists on it externally. I'm going to fact check that, but I think that's right. Yeah, according, this is, I'm going to say the same thing in a much more, in a much nicer, smarter term. According to biologists, the term venomous is applied to organisms that bite or sting to inject their toxins. Toxins, that's what I was looking for, that's the word. Whereas the term poisonous applies to organisms that unload toxins when you eat them. So most snakes are venomous, not poisonous. So there you are, you can be that guy at the party now. You are welcome. I must have said this before, but if you didn't know already, someone who is uh, full of like random little facts such as that, so this entire podcast, um, is known as a spermologist. Spermologist. Yeah. Venomous just seems more malicious. Like if you're, if you eat something poisonous, like it's your own fault. Like that's just the animal trying to protect themselves, right? Same with plants or anything like that. It's like, don't eat me. It's your choice if you do. I will. You will die. Just so you know, it will happen. I'm just, this is just evolution. I'm just telling you right now. See how colourful I am. That means stay away. Because I may look like a rainbow cake, but I do not taste sweet. I taste like death. Okay, pumpkin? So on your way. Whereas if something's venomous, it's just like, I'm, go- I'm going to annihilate you because I feel like it. I might eat you. I have teeth. I have this wicked little stinger in my butt. So why don't you just lay down there and just save me the trouble? It's just malicious. It's just not nice. It's unnecessary. Well, it's not really. It's quite necessary. It's the, it's the circle of life. It's evolution. It's natural selection. It's the way of the world. But that doesn't mean they have to be such complete dicks about it. I always liked Venom as a character, like the Marvel character Venom, the anti-Ven- no, the anti-Spider-Man, the anti-Venom. Spider-Man is the anti-Venom. Wow. Anyway, um, I used to watch the uh, the the Spider-Man cartoons, like the '90s Spider-Man cartoons. Um, they hold up, by the way, and the uh, the X-Men cartoons as well. Most of those Marvel cartoons do. But yeah, so I always found it weird when like 
in the new films, like Venom wasn't in there much. I mean, I know he was in Spider-Man 3, um, but in the in the new Venom films, there's almost like no mention of Spider-Man, and I think that they're going to do a load of stuff about that. Actually, I, don't, I haven't seen the Doctor Strange multiverse thing. It might happen in that. I have no idea. Maybe I should shut up. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about, and I need to educate myself and catch up on all the films before I start running my mouth on what I think, where where I think Venom and Spider-Man should be appearing. Even if it was to happen, it wouldn't be Tobey Maguire, emo Spider-Man in Spider-Man 3. Nothing will ever top that. Loads of people don't like Spider-Man 3. I really liked Spider-Man 3. Oh, let me tell you about Awkward Sand. Um, Awkward Sand is a thing. Do you remember like back in the day... Um, I don't know how long this lasted for, but Awkward Turtle was a thing when when I was like really young, Awkward Turtle was a thing where you'd like, you'd put your hands, you put one hand, how do I explain this? You put one fist on top of another fist and you stick your pinky and thumb out and you swim, you pretend you're swimming and your hands are a turtle. And you go, awkward turtle, when there's an awkward situation. I hope that makes sense. Basically, in Spider-Man 3, there's a point where Flint... Not Flint Lockwood. That's cloudy with a chance of meatballs. Flint Lockwood. What? What? Flint... Flint Marco is um, the Sandman in Spider-Man 3. Very different film. Uh... But there's a point where there's like, there's a really like awkward moment and he just dissipates into sand and just floats away. And I wished that I had the ability to do that. Like in an awkward situation, you just go awkward sand and just into the, into the abyss and just disappear into, into nothingness. That, honestly, the best superpower, I think, I reckon. The ability to escape situations like that. Yeah, big time. <laughs> what's, the, what's the most... Ven- oh, apparently, hang on, is this true? The daddy long legs, I might... This might be, like, the least relaxing thing I'm ever going to say on this podcast. Um. Oh, it's a myth. So I remember hearing that daddy long legs which is a, like a type of like spindly spider that you find mostly in the UK, I think. Just they're like a normal house spider. They're not like, they're quite, they're, they're like skinny as hell and they just like, they just, they just hang around. But I remember hearing that they were the most venomous animal bug in the world, but they just have no way to release it. The myth goes, daddy long legs are the most venomous spiders in the world, but their fangs are too short to bite you. Apparently not. Apparently not. The term daddy long legs is used colloquially to refer to at least three different animals. What? Only one of which is a true spider. (gasps) Whoa. One is a cellar spider. One is a harvestman. And, oh, crane flies. 
oh yeah but I learned this crane flies aren't daddy long legs because they fly oh so okay so cellar spiders the only true spiders of the bunch can in fact bite humans so their fangs are similar to the brown recluse which does have a potentially fatal bite for humans but that's where the similarities end there you go not venomous so what is the most venomous animal in the world I was going to say a jellyfish but I feel like that's poisonous most venomous animal in the world Okay, so the box jellyfish is number one technically, but the inland taipan snake has one of the most lethal venoms. One drop can kill up to a hundred adult men, and it works in as little as 45 minutes. Yeah, that'll do. That'll take the cake. I'll, I'll accept that. Moving swiftly on so I don't freak out everybody too much is glow glow is word number three what do I think of glow worms glow sticks glow sticks when I was younger I went to a party it was like an under 18s rave thing <laughs> yeah I was cool and um, naturally there were glow sticks to try and get all the kids hyper for lack of alcohol Fizzy pop and glow sticks, that was it, that was the one. I think I remember still having alcohol at that party though. Because small town, the rules didn't really apply. Um, but I remember this was like in my jackass stage. And I wondered what it would be like to have a glowing mouth. So I just remember biting into a glow stick. And just putting the liquid in my mouth and it worked I had a glowing mouth and then I was horrifically ill as you would expect well as any sane person would expect not me apparently my train of thought only only got as far as the station of oh yeah that'll look cool I'm gonna do that Oh man, I like that I've grown up a little bit. I can't, I can't see myself eating glow stick liquid anytime soon. Um, I'll tell you something you would not believe though. You would not believe your eyes if 10 million fireflies lit up the world as I fell asleep. <laughs> that was like Roz from Monsters Inc., wasn't it? <laughs> Wazowski, you forgot to file your paperwork this morning. Or is it last night? You forgot to file your paperwork last night. Either way, yeah, fireflies. I've only ever seen fireflies once, and it was as magical as the song says. I mean, I didn't believe my eyes. I don't know if there were 10 million fireflies, but there was definitely a, a hefty amount there um i didn't spend much time counting them but you know the the effect was the same i had a pretty good time i had a pretty good time we've had this before lumin 
We had bioluminescence as a word. No, that was on a bonus episode. Bioluminescence was on a bonus episode, which are available on my Patreon. Oh, what a segue. This podcast doesn't have any sponsors, so I am currently relying on the kindness of your wonderful hearts uh, to support this podcast and the content I create by providing just a little bit of money each month on Patreon, which is a website where you can subscribe, support me, um, and in return you get a load of bonus episodes and some bonus content. If you would like to, you can find me at patreon.com forward slash cavern. It's fine if you can't, but if you can, it would be much appreciated. And it allows me to put more time into this podcast. And other things like guided meditations, ASMR content. I've just actually uploaded a new guided meditation on my YouTube. If you go to youtube.com forward slash cavern, I think that works. Or just YouTube cavern. Yeah. And I like to like write all the music, like the background music and stuff for it as well. Like to provide an entire well-rounded experience from me to you. So if you can help support me in that, that would be much appreciated. Anyway, bioluminescence. Let me, um, I'm going to provide the fact that allows you to know why this happens. Why do fireflies glow? So when oxygen combines with calcium, adenosine triphosphate, and the chemical luciferin, in the presence of luciferase, a bioluminescent enzyme, light is produced, which is annoying because that's like all the stuff we've got except luciferin. Like, can you imagine if humans were bioluminescent? Well, I was for an evening, but it just made me kind of sick. Unlike a light bulb, which produces a lot of heat in addition to light, a firefly's light is cold light. That's a cool band name. Without a lot of energy being lost as heat. Bro, can you imagine, like, if bioluminescence was like a really sweaty affair like every time you wanted to look awesome and <laughs> fly around and glow like a beautiful light bulb it's just 10 million sweaty bugs <laughs> oh man i'm never gonna hear that song the same again you would not believe your eyes if 10 million sweaty flies interesting interesting i do like a warm glow though and by that I mean like, like I've recently, I, I never used to be one of those people who um, didn't use a main light. Do you know there's this thing that like there's two types of people, one person who, like one type of person who uses the main light and one type of person who uses like lamps. I used to be the main light person. I don't know why. I'm a very lampy individual. But I always used to just, I guess out of force of habit, use a main light. We never really had lamps growing up, so I just used the main light, which is kind of sickening. I feel a bit dirty. I feel a bit too exposed now if I use a, a main light. But, you know, life's for, life's for growing and glowing up. I've definitely glowed up, even though I literally kind of look the same as when I was 12 years old, like there is really not much difference between 
how I looked when I was 12. And now, apart from the fact that I have broader shoulders and a bit of facial hair, I'm, I'm kind of the same. My hair's the same. My fashion sense is the same. My voice is the same. Ish. It's just been this big decade and a bit long gap where where I, I was just coming full circle. It's like one big arc. So really I glue down and then I, I'm glowing up again. I feel good. I like how I am. I'm embracing my scruff. I'm trying to make scruffy work. It's like you can look scruffy as long as you're clean. Like that, that kind of works. This is what I've realised. Took me a while to learn the clean part, but now I do. Uh, teenage boys, eh? What's next? Potato. Potato. You say potato, I say potato. Because it's pronounced potato. Yeah. So, potatoes can be made into a lot of things, can't they? Crisps. Chips. Waffle fries, mashed potato, boiled potatoes, jacket potatoes, um, b- baked potatoes. What am I missing? What am I missing? I'm missing like the main one. What am- Roast potatoes. There we go. How did I nearly miss that? Roast potatoes. Oh my god, they're the best. I just, I wanna... It's fascinating to me that, like, from all these different places in the world, these different people found different uses for these, for this singular... Is it a vegetable? Is it a vegetable? I remember... I'm gonna look up whether it's technically a vegetable or not. And while I'm looking it up, I'm gonna let you know a really stupid thing that I said once. And, um... Genuinely, 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 I, I asked this question once. I think I was hungover at the time. No, don't make excuses. Don't make excuses. I was, this is, I just asked this question. So I asked, I genuinely asked, are potatoes carbs? And I was met with like looks of just pure shock and disgust because that wasn't an obvious thing to me. I'm sorry. What's it in? Is butter a carb? Does that mean girls? Is butter a carb? Oh, don't give me the actual thing. Yeah, it is mean girls. There we go. It was just... It gave me the actual answer. Are potatoes a vegetable? In a nutshell, there is no doubt that a potato is botanically a vegetable. Botanically... Botanically sounds to me like a word that just, it, it's like a, it, it sounds like it should be like a confirmation word, like in place of definitely, like it has that sound, that same kind of vibe. Like, dude, are you sure? Oh, botanically, like categorically, botanically, definitely true. That's how I feel like it should be used. I need to rewrite the dictionary when I have time. I'd make it so much better. So, potatoes are vegetables. Potato smileys. Oh, do you remember potato smileys? Oh, apparently they're bringing turkey twizzlers back. Do you guys remember turkey twizzlers? They've brought 
Yeah, not they're bringing. Present tense, they've brought. They've brought... No, past tense. Oh my god, tenses are confusing. Turkey Twizzlers are back. <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's a company called the Little Potato Company. And um, their April Fool's joke was, potatoes are not a vegetable. And then you go on there and it's like, oh, April Fool's. That's such a cute, harmless April Fool's joke. I've seen some horrific April Fool's jokes, but they should all be like that. Potatoes aren't a vegetable. Oh, got ya. <laughs> that was a zinger, huh? Um, was I'm gonna I'm gonna provide you with some potato facts to take into your day. Ten things you probably didn't know about potatoes, according to Food Republic. Potatoes were apparently first grown in South America. Many people assume potatoes are Irish or at least come from Idaho, do they? Okay. While they grow in both places, the Inca Indians in Peru were the first to cultivate potatoes around 8,000 BC to 5,000 BC. They were the first vegetable grown in space. In a partnership between NASA and the University of Wisconsin, seed potatoes were first tested in space in 1995 aboard the Space Shuttle Columbia. Then in 2004, NASA started using a Chinese technique to make the ultimate chamber-grown spud. It was dubbed quantum tubers. Nice. And is possibly the most badass potato on the planet. Chips were in invented by mistake. If it wasn't for the a passive-aggressive move by Chef Georges Crumb, I don't know if it's Georges, I feel like just if you're a chef, your name isn't George, it's Georges. In 1853, potato chips, ah, oh, right, crisps, may never have been invented. As the story goes, Crumb was head of the kitchen at Carrie Moon's Lake House in Saratoga, New York, a place where Railroad mogul Cornelius Vanderbilt liked to dine. Vanderbilt wasn't a fan of the thick-cut potatoes on his plate, so one day he sent them back to the kitchen, a move that annoyed the chef. In retaliation, Crumb sliced the spuds as thinly as he could, fried them in oil with some salt and turned them into crispy potatoes. Vanderbilt loved them, and the chef's revenge turned out to be the genesis of one of America's most popular snack foods. Amazing. I love that. Chips were made out of spite, and it infuriates me now that there are no chips, or there are no potato chips or crisps called spite. Spites. Do could I have a packet of spites? Oh my god. A packet of spites or a packet of revenge? No. Venges. Venges. Venges or spites are amazing name for crisps. Names. Plural. <laughs> We're talking about two things here. Venges and spites. Dude, I would love a packet of cheese and onion venges. I would love some prawn cocktail spites. Come on now. Walkers, get on it, man. Okay, last word. Last word, and it's going to be a positive one. The last word is desk. And I've been thinking about this a lot recently. 
And it's to do with the whole cluttered desk, cluttered mind thing. And if you haven't heard this phrase before, the phrase is, very simply, a cluttered desk means a cluttered mind. A clear desk is a clear mind. And I never really gave it much credence. I always thought that was just something like people who wanted to appear motivational would say. But that was because my desk was always cluttered. I was a very messy person growing up. And over the last few years, I have started to become a much tidier person and a much cleaner person. And I noticed that it was very strongly one of the variables in the calmness of my mental health and the overall tranquility of my mind. I think so much of this stuff is subconscious and um, it was further confirmed in me when I went back to places in my childhood that, that didn't hold very good memories at all. And despite the fact that like the situation wasn't occurring, there was like the amount of subconscious stimulus from that place had such an effect on me and I, w I was anxious for seemingly no reason and it wasn't until later that I went oh that makes sense because all the things around me held memories and held associations for me um, for bad memories and I think that's what we do as humans we like we look for patterns and our brains respond to the external environment so when there is chaos to that which is around us it will have that same effect on our mind you can definitely have organized chaos but there is method to the madness there if it's just clutter and just mess and just neglect everywhere it takes a toll on, I think, what your brain thinks of you as a person. It goes, oh, well, you don't care about that. You clearly don't care about this. Do you care about yourself? Like, that's a very, that's a big old, like, paraphrase to what a lot of um, mental health professionals have said. But um, that's kind of, it's kind of it, like, in a nutshell, that's a bit of like an extension of the cluttered desk, cluttered mind thing. So I'm going to leave you with the strong encouragement to just clear the space that you spend the most time in. Wherever you go that requires your focus, make sure that place is tidy and as organized as possible. And, you know, if there is reason for the mess, like if there's like a load of work strewn around everywhere and like you're like locked in and you're in flow and like all this stuff is happening and you know exactly where everything is, totally fine, go for it. I know exactly what that's about. But like in general, if there's just clutter and mess around you, just take the time to clear it up and I think your brain will thank you for it and you'll thank yourself for it. And with that little nugget I am going to leave you also go and watch the room that's the main nugget to take away from this watch the room and clean your room
There we go. Perfect, perfect little tie-up there. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I hope you are a little bit more relaxed and chill than when we first started. I am going to probably have a run around in the thunderstorm. Highly recommend that as well if you get the opportunity to. Because rain's great. Rain's not a bad thing. Rain is fresh. Rain is lovely. Obviously, don't get struck by lightning. Please, if you could, that'd be great. Just dance in the rain. That's all. Um, thank you for listening. I wish you well. Please take care of yourself. Be kind to yourself. And I will speak to you soon. Okay. Goodbye.